have this movie that's made Alien, and then there's all these characters, right? And so in my story, I have a general um, roles for each player. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm trying to fit it into one short mm. session. Yeah. Like a three one or shot. four, three or four hour session. Okay. Um, but the thing that I'm really trying to go for is I want the players to care. Yeah. In a, in a, in a, in, in more of a way than normal. Like, cause if you know a story's not act like if you know you're, if you're not invested in the story, mm-hmm. you can be like, well, you know, I'll just push Doug into the into the into the hole because it doesn't really matter. There's right. no consequences, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consequences are like the big, big thing. Um, and so, I'm trying to figure out a way to have the consequences. Consequences of actions, yeah, be. Um important and it's hard it's hard to do yeah 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 um to get everybody invested to get everybody invested yeah um especially in a three or four hour story right because <laughs> like for like a book like depending on the book by chapter three, you're either invested in the main character or you're not. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, you're invested. Yeah. Hopefully you're invested. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. If, if you're. If you can make people invested. by chapter three and then in later chapters if something bad happens to them you're like oh no what's going like you know there's a there's more of a maybe not emotional response but there's like a you care yeah right you care more about this character because you've been with them for longer right so maybe it is just time what do you what do you think i think so i i teach a couple college classes now and we talked about creative writing and within the first third, this is what I told my students, you need to have your protagonist, your main character, right? What they want and what's in the way of that want. So what's the obstacle? And that can either be an antagonist or a force, right? Something, if if Billy wants a hot dog, then something needs to stop him from getting to the hot dog stand. There are no right? more hot dogs. <laughs> no more hot dogs. So, so, so I think... Um, and that's established like in the first third of the story as soon as possible get that to your reader and i think even just having somebody want something and then having that something get in their way uh the reader's now going to be more willing to follow because they're they're going to be interested are they are they going to get what they want how is this going to work how is this going to you know go um and obviously it's not as simple as just that, but I think especially for like a, a, a narrative driven by 
players, right, making sure that they understand what they want um, and making sure they understand what's in their way of getting what they want, right? And all of a sudden, now that it's not just let's go to X, Y, and Z and do all these fun, interesting events, but, oh, we got to get over here to get what we want. We got to get through all this all these obstacles uh that's i like that approach where it, it, it kind of boils it down to three simple really achievable things to think about because you can break down like uh, emotional uh you know aptitude and whether someone should be likable or unlikable or and and how to how many characters to have and how to progress plot um but really if if you just have goals <laughs> and something stopping you from achieving that goal then i think that does a lot of work does a lot it's, of work it's interesting yeah um because i so one of the things that I'm, I'm 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 hoping i'm on the right track um one of the things that i think was going to help me with with that with being with giving the players um and the characters that they're playing meaning and purpose right. Right. was to have these secret or hidden goals that only they knew, Ooh, um, cool. which was going to be cool because, you know, not everybody's goal is going to line up perfectly with everybody else's goal. Heck, right. some may even be the counter opposite of somebody else's goal, right? And so then you have this this friction right um yeah. between two people's goals and um there may not always be um a way to solve that right nice. or yeah, if you do great. solve it conflict yeah it's a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> like one of my characters was going to um well a spoiler warning the end of the one shot um, was going to be very much the same ending as the actual movie. Mm. You've got, or there's a ch there was a chance, or there is a chance for that right. to happen. Sure, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's some variation in variation because of you don't have these static characters you have these very not opposite of static um very fluid sure players yeah who yeah. can make many decisions so your yes. your outcome of those decisions vary greatly yeah yeah so um <laughs> but my secret weapon is that I basically want all the players to die. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and so I've, I've created, so in, in the movie alien, there's obviously an alien who's hunting yes. all these people down. Yes. Well, I just recently finished working on trying to get, and I'll have to show you this just to see, cool. just have you maybe give some comments off of the podcast right, um, right. about it. Um, but basically, um, as soon as the players step onto the ship, mm -hmm. they're all infected. Oh. They're all infected. Um, and 
there's what's what I'm calling a primary and then a, and then second uh, secondaries basically sure um actually no kind of help con- condense and help me figure out a more logical way to think about it um where the primary is like it was i think he, he the analogy was like a sharks like there's like baby sharks and the primary is trying to get the, like get stronger mm. and to get stronger they have to eat the weaker the weaker sharks or whatever and so you have this primary fighting against these secondaries and the secondaries are fighting back cuz they want to be the stronger ones and all this is going on so um but that's <sighs> There's a lot. There's a lot sure, of sure, sure. pieces. Sure. <laughs> um, so we can just get right into uh, episode seven, part two of uh, Beautiful World Stories. Nice. Um, Nate, welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, last episode was so fun. Um, we talked about your first book that you wrote. Uh, which was uh, blue. I'm gonna blue get it wrong. fable. Yeah, blue fable. Okay, I was gonna say blue fable, and I was like, yeah, that that's actually? it. That's it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah, so blue fable, um, which, um, as I said, um, is my favorite book um, I of the two. Of the two. Of all time. Of all time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, of the two that I wrote, it's your favorite. Yes. <laughs> um. Who knows? It could be my favorite book of all time. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So we, yeah, you, you wrote a second book. Um, It's unrelated. uh, Not not connected whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. So not a sequel. It's just another book. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I have also read this book um, and it's got a really interesting and uh, cool ending to it that I did not see, and I, no, I'm not saying like I'm this some like <laughs> genie who can call endings sure. whenever. Yeah, but, um, it was definitely not a ending that I saw coming. It's very different. It from is very different. Blue Fable. Yeah, in so, a lot of ways, and uh, yeah. Can you tell me like generally? about it and yeah about the ending or well about the book in general okay um and then that'll be our jumping off point i guess sure sure we'll talk about the book um so i very much wanted to write something where i could really focus on uh themes so both of these books blue fable and heaviest heart they are short they're meant to be picked up and easily read in an evening or two right i I didn't want to take too much of people's times uh and that means that it's easier for me to deliver on finishing that project and actually getting it out there right um but i always want i always want to be learning something and to be improving my own writing so i went into heaviest heart thinking i want a more dour serious story with an emphasis on the themes. What's the theme for this book? And the theme for this book is freedom and the difference between selfish freedom and selfless freedom. And so all of the characters uh, are meant to 
primarily either explore that theme or add context to that theme. So that was the intention. Uh, as I said in the first episode, uh, I sat down and I planned these 15 chapters out ahead of time before jumping in. The There were a few things that were a little up in the air, but I wanted uh, a certain amount of events. I wanted a certain amount of right exploring Gareth. Gareth's the protagonist, and I wanted him to be the primary person to explore this theme of freedom. Um, I also wanted, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot I could talk about, I guess. Um, the other inspiration for this story is kind of funny, um, but it's intentionally very much an anti-anime trope that might be confusing to hear at first. It is. But <laughs> let me, I'll explain that. that so the, a lot of, especially in, uh, I, I believe it's standard shown in kind of characters. Uh, typically in an anime, you've got the main protagonist who's kind of the underdog and he rises up and, uh, right, um, he kind of has this idea of if I just shout loud enough and punch God then I can win, right? If I just believe in myself, then I can win. If I just believe in my ideals, then the determination itself will overcome even God. Uh, Japan loves to throw God into the end of like JRPGs and stuff like that. And and uh, he's like the ultimate final boss and then you beat God and then you win, right? Um, it's, it's a common Japanese trope at the very least. It's in a lot of anime uh, that I've seen. And... I was really interested in doing the opposite where the protagonist is incredibly sure of his ideals and he is literally up against the concept of a one true God in this uh, dark fantasy world, right? Um, there are a lot of other deities that his land, the land of Terrasmort, uh, a lot of deities that they worship with different ideals. Um, but then there's this one true God and he tries to believe in himself so much and overcome that reality and then just gets destroyed right throughout the story. It's, it's a slog to kind of wrestle against this greater power. Uh, that's the whole idea behind the pressure and uh, behind freedom, right, is uh, that common question of if there is a true God with true with with intentions and purpose, then how free are we really, right? And so I don't get super theological in this book, and it is very much a fiction, a fictional, uh, fantastical story. But those are the that was the the idea that I wanted to kind of execute on was this. Um, uh, kind of anti-anime yeah. kind of protagonist or at least the the values of the story interesting that way well two two things um i am so happy to finally know how to say the um terrace smart <laughs> yes. yeah because um, uh, i was like that place that place <laughs> when i was reading it <laughs> it's supposed to sound a little yucky a little okay. a yeah. little bleh yeah terrace i think smart. i think you succeeded on that yeah thank you <laughs> um the and then second thing um yeah, that's that's interesting. I I think um, the the 
would you call the main character a protagonist? Protagonist, yeah. At, at the very least, right, we're, he's the shoes that we're stepping into. Uh, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, right, antagonist just means a force that's working against the protagonist. Okay. They don't need to be evil. They just need to be an obstacle. Um, and the protagonist is the person that we're following. We don't need to like them. We don't need to agree with them. But they're the uh, the story is about Gareth, right? So he's he's the eyes that we're seeing through. So he's the protagonist. He's he challenges that idea though, right? Uh, yeah. Is is um, uh, I think it's it, the idea, right? Was to start the story and maybe be interested and excited and pursuing what Gareth wants. And then about halfway through to three-fourths of the way through, you get kind of a bad feeling about Gareth, and it just kind of progressively gets worse as he's driven to more desperate. Uh, he's, he's driven to be more desperate. You get uh, a more clear picture of who this person is. And then by the end of the story, uh, you're not rooting for him anymore, yeah. right? You're hoping that he either changes or that he does not get what he wants, right? right? Or that he doesn't get what he wants either way, but you hope that he changes, right? Yeah. That was the intention anyway. No, that thinking back through reading the book, I think that is very a very clear theme that I saw um, and noticed maybe specifically near the end when I was like, wait, this is the this is the guy I've been following for the last 14 chapters. Right. I'm not rooting for him anymore. Right. What's happening sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was interesting because at the beginning of the book, for me, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting these characters and you're like, all right, who's, who's actually, you know, who's, who's the, who's the person we're, we're following. And then, and then, you know, Gareth comes into spotlight and then there's this, who was that? Oh, let's see. Um, the little girl. Right. So who, Eleanor, Eleanor, she, they call her Deidre. Yes. Through the most the majority of the book. Um, and she actually is, a um, has an alter, not ego, but alter persona. That she sort of, sort of, maybe I'm not doing a good job at at, no, no, at no. describing. So the um, I'm trying there, to remember what I call them. The the horned knight yes. is what they refer to him as. Uh, and he's like this and, fearsome. Yeah, like, he empowers. Right, he empowers the girl, and essentially, you you can maybe even think of it like this, where he protects the girl. She's inside kind of this magical, destructive knight uh, who just lays waste to anyone who tries to... He's essentially supposed to be an angel, right? Okay. Where he kind of comes down, protects yeah. the girl, wipes out the enemy, and and then does his thing and then leaves. Um, but And it's primarily centered around the girl because she's from Avar... That's how you say that one. Um, <laughs> uh, she's from Avar, and that's kind of the land of this one true god, right? right. So you have this power dynamic of um, 
these magicians and, and false prophets in Terrace Mort. But then you just have one angel from, right, Creer is the, the god. One angel comes in and just destroys everything else. It's not, it's not a competition of who's more powerful here. Right. Yeah. So why... Maybe you've already answered this question. Um, why do you? Why did you want to tell the sto- this story specifically um, in terms of you? You talked about tro- like Japanese tropes and whatnot, yeah. and wanting to not um, do that sort of a thing where you have a protagonist who you know like you said, you know, shouts, shouts loud enough and yeah. says, I can, I can best you, you know? Right. Um, cause that is, that is a trope or narrative that is told a lot where it's like, you know, my ideals, what I think as the protagonist are the ones that are good or right good quote you you know good. right from ron right and if you believe in that right your your inner beliefs then you'll kind of get to the true path right you'll yeah. forge your own way yeah um i've always thought i've always thought of like villains you know if 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 the camera you know if the video camera in a movie was from the viewpoint of the protagonist and then you're you're on the opposite side you know staring at the protagonist you know you'd be like well what makes your ideals better than mine you sure. know sort yeah. of thing you know yeah. having that discussion right um that's always been an interesting thing so yeah what what's that like in your story if that's yeah. clear yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i i thought it it just seemed really interesting to me and um it's i wanted to again challenge myself and learn as much as i could and gareth is like the polar opposite of blue from blue fable like there's no there's no uh kind of uh carryover um very different characters so it really shook things up a lot and um i really wanted to again kind of challenge the idea of a protagonist and challenge myself with with an unlikable protagonist. I didn't want you to hate Gareth from page one, but I wanted you to really despise the character by, if nothing else, the very last chapter, right? Um, which is an interesting challenge, but uh, yeah, a lot a lot went into this. And again, I, I wanted to try out the genre of dark fantasy, um, which usually have more dour kind of unforgiving um uh i'm trying to think of the word but you know kind of de- almost a depressing kind of outlook on life and there just seemed nothing more depressing than someone not learning a very obvious lesson right where and this is this is a little little trivia tidbit right so the monsters in this book like the trolls the trolls and the faceless, I believe, oh, yeah. are the yeah. two things, and they both require you to notice them, 
right? You need to look very closely for the, the giants in the catacombs. You need to look for them or you'll just pass right by them. And they'll and, rip some legs off. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be nasty. Uh, and then the faceless, you have to watch, right? You have to look at them and then they'll stop chasing you. And they are both examples of um, false gods, right? And that curse that comes with following a false god. So through this whole story, Gareth is like staring down himself, right? What he will potentially become. Um, it doesn't, right? I, I should have followed that through and done something with the magicians. Uh, is kind of the third event, um, I guess, with the the um, magicians who are following Null. Uh, near the end but Gareth spends this whole time laser focused on what is wrong with the world and what is wrong with him and just doesn't doesn't follow uh, what he ought to learn and it's Ritter uh, it's very important you gotta you gotta like somebody (laughs) (laughs) gotta like somebody in this book and if you get attached to anybody if it's not the girl right Deidre then uh, hopefully you're interested in Ritter by the end and she gets it near yeah. the end. She's like, nope, this is wrong. We're wrong. And you have to recognize that and make a change, right? And so that's that was the what I wanted to, to pull off in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's very... Um, it's very close like if i had to compare it to something um it was the story of gareth yeah was very for me closely resembled like the story of anakin sure yeah in some regard yeah yeah because you know this boy and he's you know this nobody really right and then he becomes this person when they discover that he has all these you know midichlorians and whatnot right (laughs) and then it grows up and he starts learning all these skills and whatnot and you just see you see the progression that's always the coolest thing for me in in that in that in the prequels is the progression of this character who right um like in your story um doesn't necessarily make the right choices yeah and then it leads to this one last choice or, or in your story's case it it's just he's just can't see the the choice that he should be making right right and it doesn't go well for him <laughs> yeah yeah and i i think um I, i'm not gonna directly compare myself to uh <laughs> star wars you know i i want to be careful there but i mean on this on this podcast you can do whatever okay you want. yeah so i'm i'm better than george lucas and uh and the great thing about gareth and um anakin in this case right is i you get what they want and you kind of agree with them yeah right you get what gareth wants and you're like yeah that makes sense uh, I hope he can accomplish that. And you look at Anakin and you're like, yeah, the Jedi are not, there's something wrong here and it's not working out. And he's in love with Padme and I want that to work out. And in Anakin's case, you know what happens. Right. You just don't know how. Um, but to figure out what happens to Gareth, you're going to have to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Gareth, I think, again, I really wanted to drop clues that, what Gareth wants seems good, uh, 
but it's not necessarily right right where this this freedom gareth wants to be free but he's always focused on himself he always he wants to be free and he's willing to sacrifice other people for that ideal right for getting that um it's why cassidy's death that it's probably the one scene i worked i changed the most it changed a lot from draft to draft of how he leaves Cassidy to die and that choice that he makes, right? Because um, if he's all about freedom, he should then seek the freedom of Cassidy as well, if it's within his power. And playing with that idea of how, like, could he save Cassidy? Is he super ruthless? How does how does he make this choice? What does that look like? Um, and I like how the final version is i think it works really well where he thinks about it for a second and is like it's too risky i'm not even gonna try and then he he just he takes what he wants and he leaves um and maybe like the audience uh i'm not sure i'd be interested to see what people think of that scene specifically because maybe you're like yeah it just seems really dangerous maybe gareth should get out of there but there's that like moral like tick in your brain that's like but that Dude, seems, what is he doing <laughs> right that seems pretty messed up though <laughs> yeah. what's going on here yeah um that was definitely something that was going on in my head when i was reading it is yeah. like okay these 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 creatures this the the seers uh the faceless faceless are sorry. the yeah yeah faceless um and you're like, okay, we have to be looking at them. Okay, it's getting nighttime. Okay, right. this is not great. No. <laughs> this is all going bad. It's, it's, it's all bad. going to heck. And uh, and and like you know, like Cassidy. If Cassidy had said no, leave me. Mm. I am going to give you guys time yeah. to run. Right. It'd be different. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. When Gareth and her were like the last two mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And he, <laughs> for me, it felt like he betrayed her. That's basically what it felt like for me. Sure. Yeah. Because he was like, well, you're you're already done for. I'm not. I could try, but I'm right. not going to. You I know. Could. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that scene was, I think, well done, and it definitely played with the no Gareth. What are you doing? That's right. what's, not what's the hero. Yeah, like response. Right. Yeah. Not the typical protagonist kind yeah. of thing to do. Because you're expecting. I was expecting yeah Gareth to make quote unquote the right choice right the selfless choice the selfless choice which is not something that he because the whole book he seems to be like a like a not a wanderer but just this you know person who's just trying to complete the mission Right, and I'll do anything to to do that. Right, Very, yeah, dedicated to the the Dedica- idea, dedicated to the cause. Um, 
the real question for me was at what cost yeah is maybe the question that i was thinking right like for him specifically at what cost is he willing to do this yeah and there's a certain line that is crossed at a certain point when a character makes that type of decision yeah. right um so that was a very interesting um yeah part of the book yeah choices choices lots of choices um yeah i think when because each choice gareth makes pushes him a little farther and pushes the reader a little farther or maybe farther away in this case as well right and by by the end of the book um because i very much didn't want gareth to get it like ever I didn't want him to have a realization of, oh, I'm wrong. He just really sinks into himself and says, no, I can't be wrong because then everything is right. I can't handle a reality where I'm wrong. So I just need to push forward and figure this out. Right. And it drives him to what initially is very honorable, right? Wanting freedom, um, especially from like this, this affliction, the, the, the pressure, this affliction that um you might sympathize with getting rid of but he he pushes it so far to where uh he's desperate and the choices he makes are initially or not initially but they're just selfish they're just selfish because he's just after what he wants so yeah it's uh Mm. it was interesting to play with what um What was the funnest, what was the most fun part of, <laughs> all English majors just cringed at what I said. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I, I always like to say I'm a, I'm, I was a writing major, not a speaking major. So <laughs> yes. that's fine. <laughs> that's good. Um, what was the most fun thing that you either learned or wrote yeah in this book so my favorite thing to write was the part with the giants in the catacombs i i genuinely sat down with my outline i had written the first couple chapters i got to the giants and i started writing where uh zeke's head gets popped and then it's just super tense walk through the catacombs you're right not really sure even if Ritter's gonna make it because she gets caught and then Cassidy's going crazy and they gotta get out of there and these giants are really freaky and it was so much fun to write uh it was so different than anything I had written before um and then they they like finally get out of the catacombs and it's this huge sigh of relief uh, and that that genuinely was when I got really excited about the book because I was like I I genuinely think that this is really good. Yeah, <laughs> I I enjoy writing this. I'm gripped by it, and that hopefully means other people are gripped by it. Yeah, um, I think it's my favorite part of the book. Um, I don't know if other people a- agree with that. I understand if if they don't, uh, that's totally fine. But it was it was my favorite part of writing the book was that scene with the giants it's it's very focused 
it's very tense uh and it's a lot of fun and again early on you're you're kind of uh playing with those expectations because zeke dies real quick right this magician this like in a fantasy kind of tropey story you'd have some sort of gandalf character that takes you all the way to the end right uh and zeke just gets offed and then you're like i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> what's now going on now? um so I, I could definitely see that being jarring and maybe a bit annoying to some people, but uh, I think it was a fun experiment to kind of push some of these these ideas. Not to to um, uh, <laughs> compare you to other other great great storytellers, yeah. <laughs> but um, it did really feel like um, like a Minds of Moria. Yeah, like I'm, the, I'm better the... than Tolkien too, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm just as good as he was. So. Buy my book. It's on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just that, just that feeling of of um, you know the goblins and 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 uh, the Balrog, and you know, then you have these trolls that are you know just offing people, and you know could very well kill. You know, for all you are aware, these are some, these are your 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 um fellowship that's trying to take a small helpless girl right safely across you know yeah and yeah yeah and it and you're like the one down how many more to go and you know and and so it's it's very um yeah it was a very well done well done section of the book good i'm Um, glad yeah and you know in in lord of the rings case you you lose gandalf you lose boromir it adds stakes and it keeps you on the edge of your seat where you're like, I don't know who else is not going to make it. <laughs> Who's next? Right. Who's next? And uh, uh, again, it's obviously a little different in, <laughs> in my book. Yeah. Um, but um, having, what was I going to say? Oh, I remembered it. Um, uh, the other thing I, I wanted to do was uh, to keep those stakes high i didn't want swords to be useful if that makes sense i wanted them to be very helpless not unable to act there's always something they can do to overcome the obstacle but i didn't want this to be like an action-packed now they get to draw their swords and fight the bad guys right it's very much obvious that with the giants, right? There's a sword fight at the beginning. They, they fight uh, in the bullion estate and then they get to the giants and there's their swords are not going to help, right? They got to get out of there. And then they get to the faceless and their swords are not going to help. They got to get out of there. And then they get to the magicians and they get disarmed really quickly, right? There's nothing to do. Um, and so there, there's kind of this bookend of, um, battle at the beginning and then a sword fight at the very end still having that because it's cool and it's fun to have <laughs> but the monsters and the the main the primary obstacles specifically i really wanted it to be a more uh psychological kind of thing to overcome as opposed to because um, gareth is this mercenary he's a strong warrior um and he proves himself of that and in, in the beginning but that's not what he needs to figure out in the book is not how to be stronger, but how to face the reality uh, psychologically, right? Of what his world is. So interesting. That's what I was thinking of. 
I guess I could ask you, um, is there a part two to this book or is right. there other things planned f- that <laughs> you could talk about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously Gareth's story is over. <laughs> for, yeah. For He's him. done yeah. um, in this book. Uh, but there's definitely room. I think when I ended Blue Fable, I was like, that's the end of this story. I think that's it that I would want to tell. So I'll move on to the next thing. Um, but I think with Heaviest Heart, I, I do have notes for a potential sequel. That's not a promise. <laughs> uh, but I think I am thinking about what that would look like. And you have Terrace Mort. And this idea of Gareth's journey is definitely done. But um, there's still Avar, right? Love to explore Avar. Love to kind of flesh out the world. Um, give Ritter maybe a bit more. I think her story is primarily complete as well. But I think there's a bit more I would want to do with her and then explore a few other characters, have Eleanor in it again, right? Um, I think it'd be fun to do a sequel to Heaviest Heart. Uh, I have, um, like I said, I've got like four or five documents on my laptop with concepts and potential story ideas. That's one of them is the heaviest heart sequel. Um, so, uh, I'm probably going to figure out what I want to do next in the new year after, after new year's, I'll probably decide on something and, uh, get rolling with it. Uh, well, here's to hoping it's, part two of okay (laughs) i mean that's good if you're if you're interested in it that's helpful (laughs) for me to know well um nate it's been a uh, pleasure um talking uh with you about your books and about stories in general um on this podcast um i will have to have you over for uh or on the episode on the podcast again um for the next book yeah it's been great i mean you don't need to wait (laughs) for my books if you want to have me back for someone else's book that's probably better then that's cool too yeah that would be that would be fun 